Matthew chapter 6, um, and I think it would be good just to start by reading uh, the Lord's Prayer together. Um, so I'll just let you find that. So that's 970. We're in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be looking today at one little bit of the Lord's Prayer, but let's just read that together, which starts at verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we pray now, um, I pray that we understand this morning what it means for you to give us today our daily bread. I ask that we would be able to cherish, rest and cling to these words every day of the rest of our lives until one day we sit down to eat bread with Jesus. Amen. Now, I want to introduce three people. The first person is me. For those of you who haven't met before, my name is Toby. Uh, I'm one of the pastors uh, here today, uh, and it's great to have you with us, uh, new and old, lots of um, much-loved faces around. The next two people are completely fiction, fictional. I've made them up, so don't read into the names. I've just chosen them. Uh, the first one is Chantel, and the second one is, J- is Jay. So let me tell you about Chantel and Jay. Chantel is a busy mum. She calls herself a Christian. uh, She's been a Christian for ages. Um, She knows the routine. She knows the answers. Um, She's heard the Lord's Prayer since she was on her grandmother's knee. She's heard it all before. She knows this prayer that we we read off by heart. She even knows it in the old version, uh, which she thinks sounds better. Um, now, to the people in her church, she's pretty chilled out. She's quite an easygoing character. She's much loved. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that Chantelle is a bit of what we would call a swan, insofar as, on the surface, she's unruffled. Her feathers are in place. She looks after her kids. But in the back of her mind, she has this gnawing worry, this worry that will not go anywhere. There's questions that the pills just don't touch, the what-ifs, the bills, the rising cost of living. Will she have enough in her pension? Is she being a good enough mum? Are her kids having too much screen time? Is she just simply not good enough? So what she does in response to these fears is she grafts. Chantelle is one of life's grafters. Whatever she feels she might lack in out-and-out IQ or power, she makes up for in blood, sweat, and tears. She's a grafter. And I like to think of Chantelle as a bit of a a what-if person. Her fears surrounding the idea of what-if. What if this happens, what if that happens, that's where her mind is going. Now, Jay is a bit more of a what-now character. Now, he's just started coming along to church since the end of lockdown. Um, His grandma was a Christian and uh, used to watch uh, the the, the God God TV, God channel, so he's sort of 
never had a problem with the idea of there being a God. He seems fairly logical that there's something behind everything. And he quite likes the idea of having a divine vending machine. Uh, a God that you can just sort of call like a genie and answer your prayers. That sounds really quite helpful. Um, and after the pandemic, though, he's starting to feel an emptiness and a loneliness. The endless scrolling on TikTok and social media. The friends getting promotions, not him. So he tries to numb it. He sort of buys stuff. He's always he's signed up to the iPhone 50 or whatever it is. He is well stocked with things. But that emptiness and that loneliness won't go away. Now, the guys at church say that you can know and enjoy God through Jesus Christ. Now, Jay wants this. He tries to pray, he, uh, but he feels like a fraud. He finds prayer very difficult. Uh, he's, he knows, he's, he regularly is, is, is looking at uh, pornographic images. Um, uh, he's, he's suffered awful things as a kid, um, which we won't go into, but you can imagine that it, bad stuff now, he feels like there's too much baggage for him to pray. There's too much stuff going on. He's empty and he's alone. He tries to pray, but he can't. So he asks God, what now? Chantel, who asks, what if? We have Jay, who asks, what now? Now, we're looking uh, today at just the middle verse, the very middle verse of the Lord's Prayer. So if you've got it in front of you, it's uh, verse uh, 11, uh, which is, give us today our daily bread. Now, how does this speak into the what-ifs of Chantel or the what-nows of Jay? Well, I think, if I can put my nail my colours to the mast right now, if there's one thing that whether you be a what-if like Chantel, or what now, like Jay. What I want us to go away from is to see our need to actually pray, give us today our daily bread. Actually pray it. Not just assent to it, or recognize it, or even really understand it, but to actually pray it. Give us this day our daily bread. So, context. Where are we? Where have we got up to? Um, so Jesus has, um, is basically here establishing how to pray. It doesn't necessarily just, this isn't just to be said as sort of like some lyrical verses, which are a bit of God splosh to keep us going, but instead this is a way to pray. This is a blueprint for prayer, no less. Um, and actually it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done as it is in heaven. That's what we've got up to so far. So that's what we've been going through week by week. And if I'm to sort of like boil down what is an incredibly rich lot of verses, what that first bit of the prayer is doing is it's reminding us that we are anchoring ourselves in who God is. So we're talking about our Father in heaven, follow along, um, hallowed be your name. So who God is and what he wants. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's masses of stuff there, but essentially at the very... It's not starting with a divine vending machine. It's starting with anchoring us in who God is and his character and what he wants. 
Now, but why, why, why put the give us our daily bread after this? Well, I think that, if I'm honest, if you are like me, it's easy to get straight to the divine shopping list, the divine vending machine. We pray, we find it, I don't know about you, but I find it quite easy to pray for stuff I need in the here and now and not actually reflect on who God is. So it comes after that. But interestingly, it's not right at the end. It's not as if we are, what we need is not important. It's kind of balanced in the middle. God's like, I know you need to know who I am, so I'm going to put the first bit of the prayer as reflecting on that and anchoring who you are and who I am and what I want. But then, I'm not going to just leave it to the end, because I know that you have needs and that you are vulnerable, and I want to recognize that. So it comes just at the right point. Now, let me give you some context on bread. Now, is this just bad news for celiacs? No, it is not. Okay? In the Bible, when we use the word bread, it was the idea of thing, something which is essential. In Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they refer to it as the staff of bread, that which holds you up like a big walking stick. Bible translators over the last couple of centuries, have actually played with the idea of translating bread in other languages into, um, into rice or into yam or into other things. The idea of it being a staple that sustains. And in other cultures where they don't necessarily have bread, that is how you might explain it. It gives us energy for life. It contains carbohydrates, fats, proteins, Minerals, vitamins, can actually survive just off bread uh, and water, um, but I won't go into that. Um, now, we are unusual in that the majority of our income, the, mo the majority of our sweat and toil, money, actually doesn't go on to food necessarily. It generally goes on to accommodation, bills, such like. That's very unusual. We're in a very strange time in history that it should be that way round. Uh, for the majority of history, and actually the majority of the world, it's the other way around. The majority of your income goes on food. It's your primary need that you spend money on. So when we're using the word bread here, we're saying our essentials, which actually we need translating into Western culture rather than they need translating us. It makes sense to, to, to other cultures. Whereas when we say daily bread, we're meaning what you need, your essentials. Long story short, in that culture, not only was bread a shorthand for everything you need, but it tapped into their deep heritage, their Jewish history. Now, in Exodus, uh, towards the beginning of the Bible, we hear about God's people being saved from slavery and being taken through the desert and being provided daily each morning with manna from heaven. And they were told, the people of Israel through Moses, only take what you need. Um, and it literally was what kept them going whilst they were in the wilderness. The manna, the bread from heaven. The links to the first word of this prayer, or line, give. So God gave the manna. God gives us our daily bread. So my first point is that God gives us bread. 
we're told to ask him to give it to us, not to pay it to us. Fundamental difference between us as followers of Jesus that we are given it freely. We do not earn our bread. It is not earned by us. It is given. Manna was given to the people of Israel. And it was given to them despite the shortcomings that they were demonstrating throughout their time in the wilderness. They were failing to have faith in God. They were failing to do good things. They were failing all over the shop. And yet God was faithful with manna, giving them food to keep them alive. Give, not pay. Manna was collected and harvested from the ground. Now, I kid you not, yesterday, Ben, my son, who's five, asked me where bread comes from, which is helpful for today. Uh, where do, where, I'm not making this up. Where does bread come from? I was able to completely geek out as a science teacher, which was really fun. Um, so I was like, well, bread comes from flour. Why? Well, where, where, does, where does flour come from? Well, flour comes from wheat. Uh, well, what's wheat? Well, wheat is a plant, Benjamin. Uh, well, what, 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 what do, where do plants come from? Well, I was like, plants come from seeds, and seeds grow. How do, how do plants grow, Daddy? I'm not kidding. This is actually the, it's so helpful. Um, I, said, I said that they need, they need, they need light, um, and they need, uh, they need water, they need warmth, they need minerals. Well, where, where do those come from? The light comes from nuclear uh, reactions deep within our star, and it provides us with provides photons, which cause the light molecules to split within the porphyrin ring of the of the chloroplast. And I, was, I think he was he was with me the whole way. Um, uh, water comes from from the, the, the water cycle, and then 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 there's warmth. We're in the Goldilocks zone. We're just the right distance away from the sun for there to be liquid water so the majority of the Earth is between zero and 100 degrees Celsius. In fact, it's actually just better than that. It's like average of 16 degrees Celsius, which means we've got just the right temperature for there to be liquid water. And minerals. You need, you need magnesium for, 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 for chloroplasts, which, 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 which make glucose, which make food. I've lost all of you. But um, the, the thing I was trying to get through to Ben, which eventually he got me to, which was, well, what, what made... The, the light, the nuclear reactions, what made the heat, what made the minerals that, that give us the bread? Well, it's God. It all comes from God. And the same is true of our staples today, even if you're a celiac and you never taste bread. Okay? Your staples, whether that be heating, will come originally from good gifts from our Father. Your food, your accommodation will too. And those good gifts are given to us. They're not paid for. All we do is harvest them. We pick them up, much the same as our forebears did, spiritually speaking, in the wilderness in that time. So, our friend Chantel, um, she can actually lose some of the weight of that worry. What if I can't do enough? That gnawing worry that she is not going to do enough is met by Jesus telling her to say, give us today our daily bread. Not pay us, give us. Now the next important thing for Chantel to see is that it says today, not tomorrow. Okay, So uh, today, not tomorrow. Give us today our daily bread. Now, anxiety has been called the plague of our generation. Siri says that anxiety is fear or worry at something uh, that has an uncertain outcome. 
Now, I don't want to stumble around on a topic that others know much more than I do about. Um, but we'll talk to Jesus, who knows everything, and, and, and see what he says. Um, but by focusing on this day, not tomorrow, not next month, not next year, not next decade, Jesus is actually being consistent in this prayer with what he goes on to teach later on. Which, if you just look across the page um, at uh, verse 25... Uh, and 27. So he must have said this about two minutes later. Uh, he says, Therefore I tell you, so verse 25, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour, to your life. And then 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Give us today our daily bread. This link today, I think, it's not, I'm not stretching it to link this to the idea of the manna that was given to the Israelites new each morning. And it would fester and go mouldy and wormy and disgusting and festering if he stored up too much of it for the next day. It didn't last. Now, maybe it's that I've just hit an age milestone, but I'm starting to get um, adverts on, um, on, on YouTube or, or on, online being tailored to me, like Giacomo, which is like extra-sized clothing. But also now, um, 50... Apparently, I need to get a portfolio, it's telling me, of £500,000 for my pension because I need it to be comfortable in retirement. So that's what I'm being sold at the moment. Um, so by storing up amassing wealth, I can have security. I don't need to be anxious. I'm not knocking pensions. I don't think they're probably quite a wise thing. Uh, but by having this idea that we have to mass huge amounts of wealth that this is somehow going to give us security, I think actually brings the same decay and festering when taken to its extreme that gathering up the manna for the people in Israel did. The worms that go in and stink and fester because it stops us from relying day by day on good gifts from God. It stops us, in fact, from being generous, doesn't it? Now, I do want to nuance that uh, with there are... Plenty of proverbs about making good provision and stuff like that. So I'm not saying don't, but what I am saying is we need to be careful. It's about today. We pray to give us today. So if you, like Chantel, are worrying about what if I don't have enough, Jesus tells you to pray, give us today our daily bread, not tomorrow. Now, let's link this to daily Interesting, isn't it? They've said, he said today already, but it then goes our daily bread. Now, this is daily, not occasional. The stories of God providing for his people through the centuries and the millennia are just everywhere. They can be found throughout. Whether it be Moses, who we've just been speaking about, um, there's Elisha, uh, who had a hundred hungry men and not enough bread to feed them. And God says, they shall eat and have some left. In Moses' time, 
they had enough manna, and everyone was satisfied. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, the five loaves and the two fish stretched to feed everybody with 12 basketfuls, all ate and were satisfied. Now, that is important because it's a daily provision of God's good gifts. Let me take you fast forward uh, 1,800 years from Jesus uh, to a guy who actually we owe an awful lot to at the Gate Church because um, he's one of the founders of the Brethren, which is quite a similar, the Open Brethren, which is quite a similar sort of way of doing church to us. Uh, And he also... um, started doing loads of children's homes at a time when there weren't children's homes and provision for orphans. And his name was George Muller. And he's quite a good example of someone who understood the daily um, provision of God. So as he'd set up, he, was, he, he looked after over 10,000 orphans during his um, sort of time developing and, and growing, obviously not necessarily personally, but developing these children's homes for orphans. Uh, and there's a chapter in this book um, that I've read bits of uh, called A Bank Which Cannot Break. And this is an excerpt from his diary. Uh, August the 18th, 1838. I have not a penny in hand for the orphans. In a day or two, many pounds will be needed. My eyes are up to the Lord. Evening. Before this day is over, I've received from a sister five pounds. She had some time since put away her trinkets to be sold for the benefit of orphans. August 20th. The five pounds which I had received on the 18th had been given for housekeeping, so that today I was again penniless. But my eyes were up to the Lord. I gave myself to prayer this morning, knowing that I should want again this week at least 13 pounds, if not above 20 pounds. Today I received 12 in answer to prayer from a lady who is staying at Clifton, whom I had never seen before. Three days later, on August 23rd, today I was again without one single penny when three pound was sent from Clapham with a box of new clothes for the orphans. That's interesting. He needed 13 pounds, but in total he got 15 pounds. He didn't actually get 20 pounds, as he thought he might need, but he got what he needed. Um, And I could ask, we're not very good at being spontaneous in our church, and I take some responsibility for that, Um, but we, we could be better at being spontaneous at speaking about our daily provision of what God gives to us. And if you do feel like there are ways in which you could glorify God by telling us about things that God has done for you, I'd like that to be shared in church about our daily... It doesn't have to be particularly sort of extravagant, though that does happen sometimes, but daily provision. And we can share it and we can be um, encouraged by that. And that leads me on to uh, the next point, which... I thought it would come up. Ah, right, there we go. Um, us and our, not me and mine. Um, with this, why am I saying us and our and not me and mine? We saw before that loneliness that Jay was speaking of, that sort of isolation, that lack of community that he felt post-COVID. And actually, we see in the Lord's Prayer, don't we, that Jesus says... Uh, give us um, our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Us and our, not me and mine. Our individualism seeps into our religion like rot into an old tree stump. And 
Jesus is addressing this, and it can be encouraging to those of us who are lonely if we are actually praying for one another in our needs, and we are sharing them. So when we, literally it's just a few words, isn't it? But give us today our daily bread. Do you know what? I hadn't noticed that. After do, praying this prayer for 30 years, since I was taught it by my mum, my I'd always just thought, give us today our daily bread. Okay, so God, give me stuff I need. But it, it's our, it's, it's plural. Now by praying, it brings our heart into line with our creator God's. And if we want to love our neighbour, then surely what better way to do it than to pray for one another, to share our prayers. That is what our cell groups are for. That is what our gospel families are for. That is what, and those of you who made it along to our sort of inaugural uh, monthly big church prayer meeting would have found that it's so encouraging. It's us and our, not me and mine. We are made to be in community. Jay, you're not made to be on your own. There's a reason you're feeling lonely. There's a reason you feel isolated because actually we were made to be one body together. And as part of that, we pray for one another. Bread, not burden. I struggled with this point, but it's the most important one. And it's the one which, if Jay goes home today without knowing, is critical. Absolutely critical. Life or death. Give us today our daily bread. Why bread here? Well, I've gone over a lot of the symbolism, but Jesus actually... um, makes it quite clear later on that bread has a depth of meaning which is of universal significance. And that's that if you were to, um, you feel free to come with me to uh, John uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 35, um, which from my Bible is 1070. Um, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come from heaven, uh, come down from heaven, not to do my will, but do this will of him who sent me. Another thing really got onto the skin of the Pharisees there was when he said, I came down from heaven, which because he's already mentioned bread, was just absolutely him saying that he's like the manna that gives life. That's, his, that's the clarity that he was trying to bring there. Um, but then, what's that got to do with, with Jay's current situation? Do you remember I said that he feels like he has too much baggage? He has too much going on to enable him to actually approach his father God in knowledge that he's been forgiven. Oh, sorry, we're doing a little bit of a, a sort of Bible trek around here. But um, this will fit into what Johnny's going to say in a minute um, when, he, when he leads us in the Lord's Supper and communion where we break bread together. But if I just go to um, Mark uh, chapter 14, verse 22. Uh, it's just, this is just a, the excerpt many of you will be familiar with, familiar with. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it saying, take, this is my body. So the bread is the body of Jesus being broken, because he's only literally, this is the, his last, last supper, the last meal before he is pinned on a cross, killed, and then rose again to glorious new life in our place. So the, the bread at the end is what actually 
Jay needs, not this burden of feeling inadequate to be able to pray, not some religious fervor that he needs to complete all these rules, uh, as every other religion likes to say. But instead, he is told to pray here, give us today our daily bread, and bread is often an analogy that Jesus uses for himself. It's broken, it brings life. He died on the cross, he was broken, so that Jay didn't have to be. He was broken so that Jay could be made whole. So those struggles with pornography that we mentioned didn't have to be his struggles forever. So that those feelings of loneliness didn't have to be there forever. That he was made whole again. Now, let's recap. Give us today our daily bread. We've been given this bread. We've not had to pay for it. Um, Let's focus on our needs for the day and giving thanks for those. This is a daily provision of goodness from our creator God, not just sporadic. Let's do it communally. And let's enjoy the bread of communion together, which one day we will share with Jesus in the final supper, which every inadequacy will be made perfect, in which every hunger will be fulfilled, and where we can really enjoy being with our brother, Jesus. Amen? Father God, thank you so much for this time together. Um, I pray you'll bless these words. In Jesus' name, amen.